Welcome to our next episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. This is Bob Mosier, one of the many co-hosts you'll meet throughout this series. So friends, are you trying to learn more about the Five Moments of Need? Maybe how to design for them, implement for them, measure them and even sell them as an approach to your enterprise. Well, in the Performance Matters series, we will help you better understand the theory and best practices behind this powerful methodology and offer proven ways to put the five moments of need into practice. This is Gay Moss, one of your co-hosts, and today we will focus on experience. As such, this will be one of our Experience Matters subseries. I am honored today to be joined by a leader who has led from the front when it comes to the five moments, Molly Petroff from St. Vincent Hospital in Erie, Pennsylvania. Molly, welcome. Hi, Gay. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. And I should have actually started with a congratulations to you, Molly, for the Trailblazer Award. Uh, speaking of which, uh, leading from the front, you received a Trailblazer Award at our recent summit. So congratulations on that. Well, thank you so much. It was a nice honor. Absolutely. So, Molly, tell me a little bit about your, the makeup of your team. Our team consists of four full-time educators. Three of us were on the team when we started building performance support in 2011. There were six of us at that time, but some retired, so we're now glad to have a fourth person join us. We are all focusing on hospital-wide, system-wide education and training. And Molly, I know that we spoke before uh, and also even at the summit about you had educators who became nurses and then nurses who became educators. I found that very interesting. Tell me yeah. just kind of a little bit about that, because I think that's an important piece of your team. Well, we are all nurses. Three of us started out as nurses and then moved into the education are arena. And uh, one of us, actually me, started out in education. I was working in an outdoor school and uh, environmental education area, really. And I needed a job full time. So my sisters were nurses. So I went into nursing at that point. And I was lucky enough to be able to move back into the education area in the hospital. Lovely. So you have the combination of both. So I think that speaks highly of your team in terms of both the experience that your subject matter experts will have, but also that you all have or you in particular have an educational type background. Wonderful. So now let's go and we talked before, but who really do you support at St. Vincent Hospital? Let's start there. And then I want you to tell me a little bit about the types of deliverables that you actually offer to support that group of people. Well, we have about 3,000 associates spread over over 20 sites in our network. We're in mostly northwestern Pennsylvania, and we do have a site that's just over the border to, of New York, because we're in northwest, we're very close to New York State also. So we support the main hospital, many, many doctor's offices, uh, a couple of rehabilitation facilities, and rural clinics. And basically, if they work for St. Vincent, we support them. In our department, we design and we develop all of the instructor-led training, e-learning programs, that transcend departmental boundaries. All the education that's specific to like clinical nurses is done by another group. But if it is something that transcends all of the different departments, then we are responsible for it. Okay, so you have that overarching area, so to speak. Right. Mm -hmm. 
All right. And the types of deliverables. So what are the types of you? You mentioned a little instructor lab training, but what are some of the other things that you do in terms of deliverables? We still do a little instructor led training. Mostly we've been doing the e-learning program development. Uh, We've been doing that for many years. And in the last eight years or so, we have been designing, developing and putting out there the performance support platforms that we've developed for our associates. Okay. One is the safety GPS that focuses on just safety. Then basically everything else goes into another platform that we've called One Learning Place. Nice. So you have the you have a blend because so often people think with performance support or e-learning, all the instructor-led training goes out the door, but that's not the case. You have a full blend yeah, of all do. different solutions. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. All right. So then speak to me a little bit about why f- five moments of need. What were the business drivers that actually caused you to start to, what they often say, make this journey? So tell me a little bit about those business drivers. When we were first getting started, we were looking at some really obvious gaps that were existing after people went to our instructor learning training to the point where our managers would come back to us and say, well, if you taught this, why aren't they doing it? Many people were not transferring what they learned in the classroom to what they needed to do on the job. So that was our main driver. We wanted a better way. We knew there had to be a better way of presenting this material to our staff. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, the return on investment for learning development just was the old way of doing things, if I may say that. It was really kind of fuzzy. We couldn't really prove our our worth. Right, because you'll go to the class, they go back, and it depends even on how long it had been since they actually went through the class before they actually performed on the job. And what else they were facing while they were on the job that prevented them from doing what they needed to do. So proving worth was difficult. I bet. All right. So let's talk then about you've been doing this now for several years. If you had to think about your journey and driving from your location, Erie, Pennsylvania, to San Francisco, tell me approximately where you are on the map. Hmm. We're probably in the West somewhere. I'd say maybe Colorado Springs. Uh, We are have gone a long way. We've built a lot of good performance support. It's received some really nice support in our institution, but there's still a a lot we need to do to really support everyone. Okay. And I'm just going to have to say Colorado Springs of all the cities you chose to say, that is my birthplace. So great place (laughs) to be, Molly. (laughs) I couldn't have teed that up better. (laughs) Great. All right, so you've, you're kind of still in the process, and this is, um, and I'm glad you said that because oftentimes with clients, when we go into the five moments of need and we talk about the various solutions, people want things quick, and it doesn't just come quickly. There's a process that's involved to get get to the destination. In this case, if you were to get to San Francisco. So Molly, you just mentioned that you're at Colorado Springs, and obviously, to even get to Colorado Springs. You needed to start somewhere. So would you think back to 2011 when you were first choosing your first project? Tell me a little bit about that and then talk about what are the things that you went through through that first, let's say, 12 months. Okay. It took several months into 2011 to choose a project because we had several ideas. We wanted to have a project that was going to be visible and make a big impact that people would automatically see this and appreciate what it was doing and want more. 
And so we finally had a, a rather large need become apparent to us, and we chose to do a safety performance support project, and it became later called the St. Vincent Safety GPS. After we finally had that project, it took us about 12 months to build the solution. We had to have a lot of people come in and help us, um, you know, know what the steps are, know what the process was, and actually build it. And as we were doing that, we were showing people who came in to help us two pieces of paper. They were both PowerPoint slides. One was a picture of what we thought the Safety GPS homepage would look like, and the second page was what we thought the Quick Step page would look like. And as we were showing people those two pages, they would see it, automatically get what we were trying to do, and almost automatically they knew another project that was not related to safety where they wanted to use something like this also. So we became very quickly aware that we needed another performance support solution that wasn't the safety, but one for everything else. Hmm. And I really liked what you said. You showed them pictures and you showed it in PowerPoint. You did mm -hmm. not show it in an actual piece of software other than like a simple PowerPoint because you're showing them a visual. So I love hearing that it's taking someone from something they know to something that they don't know. But the visual is especially helpful in that case. And they were actually just, you know, pictures on a piece of paper. We didn't even have PowerPoint in all the rooms that we were meeting with the different groups who were helping us to build it. So it was a very simple solution, and it made the point. Even better. Great. Thank you. So we purchased our software later in 2011 and got our training, and after that we were able to start building and, and having something prepared to put out live. It took another three months before we were ready to look go live, and another three months after that, we finally got in our ITQ to get <laughs> uh, things set up to go live. And then we went finally live with this, both a safety GPS and one learning place in the summer of 2012. Wow. So over the course of 12 months, so the first section is you're getting some buy-in with some pictures. You then, key point, purchase the software later once you have that buy-in. Then you go through the process of actually getting it set up and working with the IT groups and so forth in order to deploy the solution. Exactly. Great. So Molly, uh, based on that and going through those 12 months of getting to a point where you rolled out an EPSS in this example, let's step back and talk a little bit about what it was like for your team to make a change. And again, I'm assuming that you are coming from a traditional approach of designing a class and then rolling out the class, but now you're designing not only maybe an instructor-led, and some e-learn, but now you're introducing some of the EPSS. It was a major learning experience for us as well as for all of the people we were working with. We very quickly realized that the methods that we had used to build a class were not going to be as helpful for us in building this new paradigm that we were creating with our performance support. It was a really a changing world and we had to learn these new design methods. At the time, there was no enable, but the beginnings of that, and we needed to learn how to do this, so we reached out to Bob and Khan to help us learn how to fish. And so they came and they helped us to build our first rapid task analysis, the critical skills analysis. And then we, after that first experience, we started rolling out from there. Our team was not all in the same place and figuring out where we individually fit in this new paradigm. Um, there are different skills in this process, and we had to figure out where 
our skills individually fit into that process. So that was also a learning experience for our team. And so did your team, were there, were, did you have a combination of people who were, for example, instructional designers? Maybe you had some trainers. Did you have that kind of mixture of skills or tell me a little bit about that? Prior to this, we had all been, done some instructional design, all done some instructor-led training. We were kind of the master of all trades here because... You're a small team. We're a small team, <laughs> yes. You have to do it all. Exactly. And so, yeah, but some of us were better with the technical end of it. Some mm-hmm. people on our team are much better with analysis. Some were better with the rapid task analysis with the people skills. And so finding the right niche that we fit in and to build this new product was a very interesting process. Hmm. So really kind of stepping back and looking at it at a different lens in terms of, okay, I specialize in this, I specialize in this, and I specialize in that. Let's now come together and figure out what makes the most sense because it is a different, it's a different world when you start getting into an EPSS from certainly from instructor-led training and in e-learning or even job aid, whatever you have. Yeah, and it was very important for us to realize that although we were building a technical end product, this EPSS, it wasn't only the technical skills that were going to be needed to do that. So. All right, great. So along the same lines in terms of what change you went through, if you had to do this again, which you will, <laughs> tell me a little bit about the lessons learned. Specifically, if you were to go back in 2011, knowing that what you know now, what are, what are some of those things that you would have done differently? Well, as I mentioned, there was no enable design process back when we started. Mm-hmm. So you can avoid a lot of the problems that we had by just following that enable process. So I'm going to put that as a, I guess, a little advertisement for that course, because it really has been very good for us, even though we were starting this before we took the class. Which is why you get the Trailblazer Award. (laughs) (laughs) So we didn't really formally decide before we started how we were going to recognize that we were successful once we were done. And so it was difficult in the aftermath to try to scramble and catch up and and figure out, okay, what should we have set as our goals for this? So recognizing what your success is before you even get started is something I would say we should have done. Great point. So defining what does success look like and then even what are we going to use to perhaps evaluate or to measure what success is. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Also, we were totally unprepared for the overwhelmingly positive response we were going to get from our hospital, our organization, after we put out those first two EPSSs. We were just bombarded with other requests for other processes, other projects to be added to these two solutions. And so we had to, again, scramble to establish our norms on how we were going to set priorities for Mm -hmm. what we did next. So we should have really had some kind of policy in place before we even started, but we were totally unprepared, like I said, for the overwhelmingly positive response. Well, that's a good thing, because generally speaking, you're always afraid of, oh, it's not going to go so well. But this one in your case went exceedingly well. And I wonder sometimes if you say kind of what is your end point, have the end result in mind, because then you can better prepare. But as you said, sometimes you just got to jump in and do it. And that's what you did. So good knowing that you've got to prioritize. 
All right. Anything else for those listening that you would give them as a recommendation of what to do differently? People advised us to pull in some experts whenever we did our little focus groups to help to develop our processes and our tasks and our steps. But we realized as we were working through this that maybe the experts per se were not really the best people to have in these groups. We recognized that as we were trying to pull out the steps from them, the processes that we were talking about were so ingrained into these people's workflow that it was really difficult for them to remember back to whenever they had to do it step by step by step. Hmm. We found that the people who maybe weren't so experienced, maybe the newer people who were getting to know this, they were good at it, but had just learned it, were the better people to pull into these, we called them focus groups, to have them say, okay, you do this, then you do this, then you do this. Then we would take those steps that was built from that level of experience and then take that to the experts and say, is this right? So we got their you know, validation, but huh. we didn't really use them to build it. So often we'll say get the subject matter experts, and if I'm hearing you correctly, in your particular case, the subject matter experts were such experts that they weren't even thinking about some of those steps or what we call like the supporting knowledge type thing, that kind of contextual information. So having this other group that were maybe new to it or somewhat new, they would go through, provide the steps, yes, this is what we would need to understand and then you validate it with your subject matter experts. We started with the experts, but then we fell back a little bit later and started just using those. We called them the competent people or the proficient <laughs> people, not necessarily the experts. That's a good way to put it, competent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, now we talked about what you do differently. Tell me about what would you do the same? What worked extremely well? And you would, when you do it again, you're going to do the same thing again. I already mentioned that when we get started, we reached out to the experts. We said, we don't want to totally reinvent this wheel or try to figure out how to do it on our own. If people know how to do this, let them come in and teach us. So we did that, and I would really, really recommend that if anybody had the opportunity to do that also. Okay, that's a good recommendation. So I'm thinking back to the time frame. That's a question we get often asked. How long does this take us to do this? Would you say that you would need the full year? Do you feel like that's a realistic time frame from beginning to end? And is that something you would recommend to people to say, hey, think about this as a 12-month engagement? I think it really depends on the scope of your project. We really got ambitious with saying our first project was going to be everything having to do with safety in a hospital. And indeed it was, but it was what we had, we had easy access to those people who were going to help us build it. If we were just going to do performance support for just one small section of that, because actually in the Safety GPS, we have close to 48 projects, individual wow. performance support projects. So if we were just doing one of those, it would of course take a lot less time to build that from the beginning. So I really think it depends on how big your project is, and I would really recommend that you start with a smaller project than what we did. <laughs> so start small, and mm -hmm. then based on that, you could it might take obviously a little less time, but I think most people are ambitious. And also what you said is it went over very well. So when people are asking for more, you naturally probably want to provide more. Right. 
Okay. We started One Learning Place with just a couple of processes and not the 49 it is today, but just a few. And so that only took us a couple of months to get up and running. Because again, that was our first project that was not safety based. So we went from a 12 month project with a GPS to a more like a three month, totally new build with our One Learning Place. And how are your associates who are your audience when they see something and they don't know that something else is being added to it? Are they okay? Because often people will ask me, oh, well, we've got to have this perfect solution now. Do you really need to have that perfect solution or can you get 80% of that solution out to your audiences and then they like to see it develop because they know, oh, we're going to have new content soon or we're going to have new information soon. So they they kind of trust that something else is coming. Yeah, we look at our, both of our platforms as living, breathing children, and they are growing and they are going to be developing as we go. And so we don't, we rarely have something totally, completely finished perfectly before we put it out there. We get out what needs to be out right now for what's happening, and then we would improve and enhance that as, as time went by. Great. And then teams and audience, they start to expect that so they know that something else is coming forward. Whenever we do put something out that is only partially completed, we'll say that on the page, more to come or or whatever we need to say to let people know that we're building this still. There'll be more to help you in a bit. All right. Great. All right. So top three things you tell yourself if you could go back to the beginning. And some of this might be repeating what you said already, but I'd like to kind of close us out with what are the three things you would tell yourself if you could go back to the beginning? Well, I would first of all tell myself that you need to talk to the worker bees in the IT department. We had been speaking with the CIO who was fully on board with this project. We assumed that word would filter down to the people who needed to help us in the end. And unfortunately, and probably realistically, it did not. So I alluded to that three-month delay whenever we were ready to go live. We had to then get in the ITQ. So, yeah, do that early, especially when you're getting close to being done. People who need to help you, let them know what your time frame is. Okay, so one is around communication. Get Mm -hmm. to the people that actually are going to be doing the work because they're the ones that need to know what's really going on. Great. How about number two? Number two? The biggest surprise for us was the response that we got. People are going to love this and want more, a lot more. So prepare for that in the very beginning. Okay. That would have been good to know. (laughs) (laughs) So assume that things will go exceptionally well. People will want more, and therefore you need to have kind of your plan to move forward. Exactly. Okay. Number and the three. last thing I probably tell myself to, you know, get a good seatbelt for your office chair because this is going to be an awesome ride. <laughs> Very good. So a lot of busy. And do you find that you were constantly, uh, I know we do, you set out on a course and it's just like any kind of road trip. You've got it planned. You've got your course, but you definitely need to be flexible and be able to kind of switch gears at any time and be agile, if you will, in terms of uh, moving. So would you would you say that 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 was the approach that you had taken? Um, it's the approach we're on now. Absolutely. You never know when there's going to be a new priority from the organization or a new piece of equipment coming in. And so you need to adjust what you're doing to make yourself most useful to the organization. So Great. That's our goal. 
We had a clinical educator come to us because the hospital was opening a new intensive care unit where they were going to be putting the patients after brain surgery into this department. Actually, it was an existing department that didn't have these patients before, but now they were getting these patients. So we had to teach them how to take care of a post-operative brain surgery patient. And this exact process had happened about 20 years ago in our hospital, where we were opening a brand new neuro ICU. And those nurses at that time went through a 40-hour class, instructor-led training, on everything there was to know about taking care of this patient. And after the course was over, the unit opened about several weeks later, and the nurses who were, had just taken the training needed assistance from experts to be able to take care of the patient. They could not do it alone. So we had that experience in our history. Now, the clinical educator came to us with that you know, framework in mind saying, we need this 40-hour class again. And we said to her, one of my colleagues worked very closely with her and said, well, this didn't work so well last time. We're working on this other process called five moments of need, and we'd like to walk through this with you and, and see what would happen if we did this instead of 40 hours. And so she sat down with her and lined up all of the tasks that the nurse needed to do in the process of taking care of this patient and what they needed to know in order to take care of that patient. And we boiled that down to four critical skills and what needed to be done for each one of those skills in order for the nurse to know in order to do. So what they needed to know in order to do that skill went into a one-hour pre-learning e-learning program. And then they had one hour that focused just on doing that skill, practicing learning with whatever equipment they needed to do that. And then they did that same one hour of e-learning and then another workshop on the second skill, and then the third and the fourth. So we had four hours of e-learning and four hours of workshops. And that's all the nurses had for training on preparing to take care of those patients. And in the end, whenever the unit opened and the patients came to the unit, those nurses were able to take care of those patients without any assistance other than the performance support. So our outcomes this time with using the five moments of need as our platform, as our framework, were far better than the results we had 20 years ago. Wow. It was all IT and with much less training. So it's really phenomenal to think about what was accomplished there. That is, and, and the importance of which, like, talk about criticality. Exactly. Yeah. Brain surgery patients, folks. <laughs> exactly. That's wonderful. So what was the reaction from both the nurses and the C-suite? What was that? What was that reaction like? The nurses loved it. They thought it was very practical, and they loved to be able to actually take care of a patient. They felt very fulfilled. The management liked it because their staff were actually able to perform the physician who was involved in this, the neurosurgeon, was bragging about this course to all of his colleagues. And pretty soon we had the cardiologist wanted his course done like this, uh, neurologist. I mean, everybody all of a sudden was starting to clamor for this new way of doing things. They didn't know what to call it. Actually, they called it the Norma method because Norma was the clinical educator who first brought this project <laughs> to us. And we were okay with that. Let it be called the Norma method. It's just Absolutely. a better way of doing things. Right. Whatever it needs to be called, do it. But wow, that, that, now that is a great story. So thank you for that. 
All right. Well, Molly, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure as usual speaking with you and look forward to a future adventure with you. (laughs) Thanks, Kate. It was nice talking to you too. Well, that's it for this episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. We look forward to future conversations around how to best put the five moments of need into practice. We welcome your feedback and can be reached on Twitter using my Twitter handle at BMOSH, as well as our Five Moments of Need website, which is www.5momentsofneed.com. We hope you're finding these helpful and will subscribe to future episodes. Have a great day, friends.